Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm your host, Paul Vogelsang, and this is episode number 529. As part of our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living interview series, our guest today is Noah Gattel. Noah Gattel, a previous guest on the show and a fan favorite, is a film critic for the Washington City Paper. Noah Gattel also writes for publications including The Atlantic, The Guardian, Salon, and the L.A. Review of Books. Noah Noah Gattel is a regular on-camera guest on BBC's Talk and Movies program. Noah Gattel will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates program entitled The 2021 Oscars, A Year of Drama. The Oscars are going to be different this year, with the pandemic having forced many major films to push their release dates to 2021 or beyond. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences has made dramatic changes to shift the date of the ceremony to April 26th this year, expand the eligibility window, and allow most streaming films to compete, whether they had a theatrical release or not. In most years, you'd have assembled your own slate of favorites in the Oscar race long before the ceremony. There's nothing more enjoyable, at least in our family, than comparing your picks talking about the nominated films and performers, and of course, those you felt really should have gotten a nod with other movie fans. But this year, you might want an expert to help guide you through the process. That expert is Noah Gattel, Washington City paper film critic and Not Old Better Show fan favorite Noah Gattel is back with us for an evening that focuses on all things Oscar. From Academy Awards history and trivia to discussions of this unusual years, nominations, and behind-the-scenes stories. He sorts through all the storylines, rumors, and gossip so that when the telecast begins, you'll be the most knowledgeable guest at your virtual Oscar party. So, sip something festive and cast your vote for the winners in several major categories with the most accurate predictions eligible for prizes after the awards are presented. So please join me in welcoming back to the Not Old Better Show, Noah Gattel. Noah Gattel, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Paul. Great to be here. Yeah, it's great to talk to you, too. Um, my best to you and your family. Uh, Got to start off by just you know expressing that and just asking, how's everybody? You guys uh, surviving all of this pandemic and doing, doing okay? Well, yeah, we're doing well. Everybody's healthy. Good. Uh, we're home. We're watching a lot of movies. Yeah. And uh, I'm getting my, my uh, vaccine next week. So uh, oh, better hey, times congrats. are ahead. Yes, absolutely. I agree. We've we've had the vaccine in our family. Three of us have. Three out of the four have had. And our fourth got his first shot today. So, you know, we're kind of right there with you. We're watching a lot of movies, too, and loving it despite the pandemic, enjoying all of these movies. And so we're going to talk about that today. And let's talk a little bit about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation and maybe tell us briefly about it. And, you know, since we're all using Zoom like crazy all the time, how are you going to be using Zoom yourself to engage our audience? Well, basically, the presentation is a, a deep dive on the Academy Awards, both historically and this year's Academy Awards. And I do focus on the history of, of the awards quite a bit in the presentation, particularly the origins of the Oscars, because I think it's important to understand that in order to contextualize what's happening with the Oscars now. You know, the Oscars were created almost 100 years ago, but the circumstances around their creation still have sort of a ripple effect in, in how it's perceived now and some of the changes that have been made over the years. So we're, we'll look at the origins. We'll look at 
this year's nominees quite a bit. And we'll, we'll do predictions, which is, um, it, you know, it's, it's one way to examine the storylines that dominate the year. We'll go through all the major categories and kind of see how we ended up here. But, you know, for example, the best actress category is something that really fascinates me this year because it's a, a virtual free for all. It's one of the most hard to predict categories we've had in years because a different actress has won each of the major precursor awards. So we'll get into that and we'll see how that happened. And then I'll, I'll take a stab at, at predicting these awards so you all can win your Oscar pools. <laughs> That's always fun, and, too. <laughs> and in terms of Zoom, you know, I, I've done a few presentations now for Smithsonian Associates over Zoom. And the truth is, I'm not tailoring it very much to, to the format uh, because it's, it's similar. I'm still using a PowerPoint presentation. I'll still be showing some video clips from great Oscar moments. And I'll still be talking directly to the people at home. I think the only difference for folks is that they can ask questions during the presentation. And then we have a terrific moderator who will get those questions to me so I can answer them at the end. But it's, it's very user-friendly, even for people who aren't super familiar with Zoom, if there's a few of those people still out there. And uh, I promise we'll have a good time. Yeah, we, we always have a good time with you. And uh, it's great to talk this year, especially the pandemic has has changed a lot. And good to hear you're going to be talking about the origins and uh, all these um, different ways that that Oscars have changed. Certainly this year, the awards date itself has shifted, and that's to accommodate some kind of interesting things. I hope you're going to tell us a little bit more about that. But maybe give us just how have the Academy Awards changed this year? Well, I think the date turned turned out to be actually not that big of a change because the original goal was to extend the eligibility window for films to be to be eligible for the Oscars, which usually ends uh, December 31st, to extend it through the end of February. And the idea was, you know, we'll be further into the recovery of the from the pandemic and theaters will be open, people will be going to movies, and we can get these Oscar movies into theaters so they can make some money. And some of that turned out to be true. Theaters are largely open, but most people or many people are still not going to movie theaters, and the Oscar-nominated films that are in theaters are not making a lot of money. So I think, in retrospect, they could have actually kept it at the original date, and they wouldn't have had to change much, but they, they stuck to this April 25th date, which was there so that once the nominations came out, the movies which were in theaters would have time to reap the benefits of those nominations. Uh, we're stuck with that date now. But luckily, we've almost got to the finish line. It's only, you know, 13 days away now by when we're recording this. So uh, it's been a long wait, but we're going to get there. And then in terms of the show itself, they are doing some different things. Uh, typically, uh, the, uh, the show is all in, in one place. This year, they're going to be splitting it up into two different locations. Most of it will be at Union Station in Los Angeles, which is an open-air facility to make it more uh, safe for the attendees. But then the performances, the musical performances, will be at the Dolby Theater, which is the more common venue. So they'll be cutting forth between them. And in order to facilitate that and really make sure it runs smoothly, they have hired director Steven Soderbergh to produce the Oscars, co-produce the Oscars. And we don't really know what he's got in mind, but he's somebody who, as a filmmaker, has been very interested in, in up-and-coming technology. He was one of the first to use digital cameras, and he shot uh, movies on iPhones, and he's dabbled in television and, and online content. 
So I suspect he is the right person for the job, and he's going to give us something very special and very interesting on Oscar night. Well, let's talk about music. You, you mentioned the Dolby Theater and how the musical numbers are going to be performed there. You you have written a, a great piece, and, and we'll put up links to it, about music and particularly the best original song category, how it doesn't really live up to being actually great music. And you, you cite several examples. One is a favorite of mine, and I, I, I got to refer to it because I just love the movie Sing Street. One of the songs, Drive It Like You Stole It, got completely ignored. So what's going on here with this category? You know, Paul, when it comes to the Oscars, complaining that they get it wrong is part of the fun. <laughs> but yeah, this yeah. is a category that really drives me up the wall because if you look historically at this category... The songs that they have overlooked, and I mean not just didn't, they didn't give them the award, but they failed to even nominate them, it's really mind-blowing. I mean, some of my favorites from the last 20 years, there was a song called Glasgow from a movie, Wild Rose, that is just a gorgeous song, came out a couple years ago, not nominated. I know there's a lot of fans of the movie Music and Lyrics out there, and there's a song called Pop Goes My Heart in that movie that people love, not nominated. But even the iconic stuff, the song New York, New York, which was actually written for the 1978 Martin Scorsese movie called New York, New York, was not nominated. Nothing from This Is Spinal Tap was nominated. And if you want to go really far back, A Hard Day's Night was nominated for Best Screenplay. But none of the songs the Beatles wrote for that movie were good enough to make the list of Best Original Song. So it just doesn't make any sense. But if we want to try to figure out what's going on now and why they're getting it wrong... One trend that I have noticed is that the music branch, who does the nominating for this category, they definitely seem to prefer closing credits songs. And these are songs that are written specifically to play over the closing credits of a film. And they're often written and sung by famous pop stars, whether it's John Legend or Celine Dion. And they have nothing to do with the movie except a vague thematic connection. But And they're really written and designed just to get a nomination. and potentially get that star there to the Dolby Theater or Union Station to perform the song. And to me, this is a very anti-cinema approach because the songs are not part of the, the movie. They're not part of the, the narrative in any way. And I think they should be choosing songs that factor into the films, like Drive It Like You Stole It. I mean, Sing Street is a musical, and that's a really important song to the, the narrative of the film. And there's a ton of other examples of really good songs that they're just overlooking for these closing credit songs, often from, from movies that we've never even heard of, of, obscure documentaries. And it's kind of a strategy for the producers of these films. If you can get a John Legend to write a song for your documentary, you have a good chance of getting it being nominated and, and then more people will see your movie. So it's all very calculated. It's all very anti-art. And I don't like it one bit. I, I, don't, I don't expect that it will change anytime soon, but you never know. I agree with you. Yeah, that's just just robbing the Beatles there. Hard Day's Night. That's that's just a a gimme, you would think. It's pretty bonkers. It's it, certainly in retrospect, it's yeah. pretty bonkers. And you know, just to put a cap on this, this year, really, there are two songs that uh, are likely to win. One of two songs. Uh, one is uh, from uh, One Night in Miami, and it's sung by Lamar uh, by Leslie Odom Jr. And it's called Speak Now. And it's a, it's a nice song, but it is kind of one of these closing credit songs that has, doesn't have much to do with the movie. The other one in contention is Husevic from Eurovision, this ridiculous uh, Netflix comedy with Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. They couldn't be more different, but 
Kusevic actually plays a major role in the film itself. So that's the one that I'm pulling for. Good. Well, we are with Noah Gattel. It's always a pleasure to talk to Noah Gattel, a fan favorite here on the program. Noah Gattel will be presenting at Smithsonian Associates coming up here Wednesday, April 21st. The title of his presentation is The 2021 Oscars, A Year of Drama. Always good to talk to you, Noah Gattel. But Nomadland seems like the front runner for Best Picture. I think many in our audience will be rooting for uh, the trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, we watched that here in our household. It was amazing. Sasha Baron Cohen and, and uh, the rest of that cast is just phenomenal. Maybe tell us what do you think of both films and and then maybe give us a prediction for Best Picture. Sure. I think both Nomadland and The Trial of Chicago 7 are very good films. I also think they're both very Oscar-y films. And by that, I mean, they deal with um, difficult, complex political subject matter in a way that is easy to digest. Um, these are films to me that I, I don't want. I don't want this to sound like a, a, a negative because I actually don't mean it as one. But they they don't challenge the audience with their um, aesthetic choices, and they don't challenge the audience with too many uncomfortable truths, even though there are a lot of uncomfortable truths in the subject matter of their stories. Uh, for example, you know, Nomadland has been uh, criticized from the political left for the way that it treats Amazon, which, you know, has in, there's a lot of controversy over Amazon's labor practices. But in the film, Fern, the character played by Frances McDormand, Amazon is crucial to her ability to live the life that she lives. And when somebody asks her about the work there, she says, the money's great. And that's the only comment made on Amazon in the whole movie. Now, I don't think this is a movie about Amazon, but it is noteworthy what the film chooses to elide. And I would say The Trial of the Chicago 7 does the same thing to some degree. Now, the point is that in eliding this stuff, what they're actually doing is entertaining us even more. They're giving us um, a package that is easy to digest. And I don't mean that as a knock. I think that's why these movies are successful. That's why people are seeing these movies. Um, and if you want something super challenging about these topics, they're out there. They're out there, but they're not necessarily going to be as popular as these. Um, and I think Nomadland is going to win. Trial of Chicago 7, if you had asked me in September, I would have said that would be the front runner, but he just hasn't picked up any of the momentum as this award season has rolled on and nomadland has been winning almost all of the precursor awards it won the producers guild award which is a pretty good indicator of what's going to win the oscar so i think that's got the best shot and i will say you didn't ask but i will say that my pick if i were voting would be for the father which i think is a, a film that is both uh, thematically challenging and very aesthetically challenging, the way that it puts the viewer in the mind of a person suffering from uh, dementia or Alzheimer's disease. And it, it, it conveys that in a way that I've just never seen in a film before. And it contains, to me, one of the best performances of this century, Anthony Hopkins in the lead role. I thought he was just tremendous. So I'll be rooting for that on Oscar night, although I don't think we're going to hear its name called. Well, thank you for that. We always appreciate your predictions. And uh very, very valued to us, too. Um, that'll lead a lot of our audience, I think, to see that movie, Father. Well, I want to talk to you about streamers because that's, you know, obviously changing the landscape of uh, film viewership. 
and Netflix is among the leaders, certainly in in uh, among the streamers. One of my favorite movies is My Octopus Teacher, a documentary that Netflix is featuring. I just you talk about something that you've never seen before. My gosh, it that film just really was uh, very special. I think in in that way, I I just had had never seen an octopus kind of you know come alive that same way with that depth of intellect and understanding. And, and it's a complex film too. I know you haven't seen it yet. And so we don't have to necessarily talk about that, but let's talk about the category. It's one we don't always talk about. And that's the documentary category. My octopus teacher is nominated here in this category, but tell us what you think generally about the category. And Jake, because I, I just think it's a good one for us to, to consider this year. Well, first of all, I will say to your listeners and to my potential listeners, if they're attending uh, on the 25th, I will see my octopus teacher before I talk on the 25th, because I, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I make it my job to see everything <laughs> nominated in the major categories. Um, but, and I do, you'll th- love it. I think I'm sure that I will. Uh, and, and yeah. cause I've heard it, it's, it's a kind of a feel good documentary, but, but a deeply yeah, felt yeah. documentary as well. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. um, I, I think my Oxford teacher has a shot to win. In fact, this is a fascinating category because I think four out of the five films that are, are nominated do have a chance. And those would be uh, collective crip camp, my octopus teacher and time. Um, the mole agent is the other nominated film, which I thought was very good, but it is probably not going to win. Um, and you know, we could look at each one of these separately cause they're very different films. Collective is a, um, it's a, a chronicle of uh, an investigation of corruption and government and healthcare in Romania. And it's kind of a pro journalism movie. Uh, my activist teacher, you already talked about time is a fascinating, um, film about a woman on a crusade to get her husband out of, uh, out of jail, a 60 year jail sentence. And it's a really beautifully made film in black and white. It was a big hit at Sundance uh, last year. And I would say that's probably the favorite as of mm. right now, Okay, but, but I wouldn't count out Crip Camp mm-hmm. either. For that's the one we're hearing reason. about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're hearing a lot about it. You know, it was produced by the Obamas. Yes. Because they have they have a deal with Netflix to make documentaries. And the last film they made, which was called American Factory, won this award last year. And I don't think it's entirely because of the Obamas, but Lord knows the Obamas have a close relationship with with uh, the powers that be in Hollywood. So I do think that gives it a little bit of a leg up. So I wouldn't be surprised to hear any of those titles uh, called on Oscar night. Although if I had to say now at this moment in time, I would probably pick time just because of how it, it resonates, the, the criminal justice, the social justice element of it, how that resonates uh, with what's going on in America right now. Well, I think we just we got to root for all these because this, uh, you know, these films are special, especially this year when we are all of us isolated. We need this wonderful um, form of the arts that just brings so much to our world. And and Noah Gattel, thank you for your time. It's always such a pleasure and joy to talk to with you. I uh, am excited about your upcoming presentation Wednesday, April 21st. And uh, we'll have details to where you can find out more information about Noah, his upcoming presentation at Smithsonian Associates, and links to these various films. But Noah Gattel, thanks for your time today. My best to you and your family. And uh, 
gosh, enjoy my octopus teacher. <laughs> It'll be I will. I will. And thank you, by the way, for correcting me, because I think I said April 25th several times in this podcast. That's the date of the actual Oscars. My yes. talk is on the 21st. And thank you, yeah. Paul, for knowing that, because apparently nobody else does. <laughs> well, <laughs> Noah, you're, you're a pleasure to talk with, and, and I just always enjoy connecting with you. So have a great one, and we'll catch up to you soon. All right. Thanks, Paul. My thanks to Washington City paper film critic and not old better show fan favorite Noah Gattel for his time today. Noah Gattel will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates program entitled The 2021 Oscars, A Year of Drama. Check out our website for more details on Noah Gattel's Smithsonian Associates presentation April 21st, 2021. My thanks to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show and my thanks to you, my wonderful not old better show audience. My hope is that you're listening today while standing in line for the vaccine. So be safe, practice smart social distancing, and remember, let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. 